It ain't that simple, mate. Hello and welcome to It Ain't That Simple Mate, the Bright Hope World podcast, where we talk about poverty alleviation and missions and just about everything related to those subjects. Uh, I am Fraser Scott, the Executive Director of Bright Hope World, and typically I do this uh, podcast with Kevin Honore. You'll hear his voice on the podcast today, but it's just me alone in the studio doing these intros and outros. So uh, apologies for the monotony of uh, my voice in this case. Uh, now at the moment we are doing a wonderful series that we're really uh, enjoying called A Conversation With. We are connecting with some of our partners around the world and hearing some of their stories, hearing what they're going through at the moment. Uh, we are recording this during uh, COVID, which, uh, boy, it, it's not showing any immediate signs of abating. Um, and so some of the stories are a little tinged with the struggle of coping with that on top of everything else. Uh, today, the podcast is with a partner of ours called uh, Izdahar uh, Isaac, or Izdahar Kassis, uh, she goes by both names, um, who is based in the Becker Valley in Lebanon. Now, if your geography is any good, you will know that the Becker Valley in Lebanon is perilously close to the Syrian border, and uh, that that is the kind of space in which uh, Izdahar and her organization, TFF, uh, work. She is an amazing woman. She is uh, just incredibly strong. Uh, boy, I don't need to say this. When you listen to the podcast, you will um, you will hear that come through in what she says. Uh, just a just a strong, intelligent, strategic woman doing amazing work in that part of the world. So, without further ado, uh, let me introduce uh, Izdahar Isaac. Um, hello, uh, my dear friends. Um, my name is Izdihar uh, Isaac. Uh, I was born in Syria uh, uh, 1961, and uh, I grew up in Jordan uh, as my father was the a Baptist minister in uh, in one of the cities in Jordan uh, called Irbit. I don't know if you heard about Irbit, but Jordan is very mm. familiar familiar uh, name in the Bible and everyone know Jordan. Um, I grew up in this uh, very committed uh, family. My father was uh, pastoring a church and my mom was serving the Lord. And uh, we uh, we were seven children, uh, five daughters and uh, two sons. Uh, my mom, uh, she, she she wanted us to be in in uh, in the ministry and she wanted us to to grow up in uh, in loving the lord and uh, being his his servants uh, wherever we are so she always reminded us that we are the five wise virgins that the lord uh, jesus uh, told the people about who were ready always and their uh, their their um, lamps uh, were uh, full of oil so um, she put in our heart that we are we belong to the lord and we should be ready uh, any minute to to be with him um, so that's why all of us the five daughters and now we serve the lord uh, each one of us in different country uh, my sister uh, she works in syria in a very very hard situation and with the 
uh, with the very poor people and uh, with with uh, destroyed areas and she helps uh, in so many ways and she had she started organization in Syria called uh, uh, generation over crisis uh, so she can work uh, legally uh, under the government umbrella and uh, this organization is our sister organization in Syria so also as together for the family we work with them anyway and my other sister also uh, she works in in Jordan and her husband is a baptist minister and the the four five of us are uh, full time in the ministry this is wow. really a, this is really a, a blessings and this is an answering of my dad's and my mom's uh, prayer and uh, uh, growing up in that uh, in that kind of home it filled my heart of uh, of the love of god and so many miracles happened in our life when we were children and this uh, may this make made my faith very strong so whenever i decide to do something and uh, and there is nothing really shows that this this will happen but i always have strong faith and the lord really uh, makes it and um um also um when i was a child i grew up in a muslim uh, country uh, where my student where most of uh, the students in in my classroom all of them actually were very strong muslim so I learned how to communicate with Muslim people and love them uh, because most of my my friends when I was a child were Muslim. And I learned a lot from Islam from them. I read the Quran, I read the Hadith, I read all their books. So the Lord uh, well, equipped me very, very well when I, uh, since I, my childhood to work with Islam and to minister to them. Um, and to love them and to know how to love them and uh, to share uh, the loving of Christ as a um, as a living uh, um, living Christ uh, with them um, so uh, I'm really I really appreciate my parents uh, my parents uh, teaching and my parents uh, loving to the Lord whom they they passed it to us wow so uh, you, you are now based in the becca valley in uh, in lebanon yes. Yes. how did you how did you come from you know what was your journey from jordan to be in in a place like the becca valley yeah uh, this is what happened uh, when when i finished my high school uh, as a Syrian or originally Syrian, I can get uh, education in Damascus free of charge. So I came to Damascus to study civil engineering. And um, uh, during my study, uh, I was living in the in the straight uh, cold street, uh, which Paul was uh, living. Mm. You know, he, he he went there and he got healed there. Actually, straight street, yeah, straight street. I was living there, and uh, there I met uh, Riyadh, uh, my husband, uh, who wh- whom we get married to, and uh, we started our ministry from that from that street actually and we went around the lord uh, carrying the the message of the lord 
So we are so proud also of being uh, Paul's uh, <laughs> example, you know, or, um, uh, you know, starting like Paul from that street. So um, my husband, the Lebanese, and he was born in Lebanon and his mom, Lebanese. And because of the civil war in Lebanon, he moved to Syria to study in the Syrian. He went actually as refugee to Syria. Uh, wow. And uh, yeah, and uh, there he got his in, in uh, he got he got his uh, uh, university graduates from economic uh, um, college um, university in Damascus, and then we got married and we went to Manila to study theology with the Alliance Biblical um, uh, Mission missionary. And then we went to Canada for further study. All our life was scholarships and the Lord was providing for us to get uh, more and more education until my husband uh, got his PhD from uh, uh, Nottingham uh, University in uh, Britain. Uh, also, he got scholarship from uh, Langham Trust uh, Organization in Britain. And then we chose to come to Lebanon and live in Lebanon and work uh, with uh, with uh, in our country in the Middle East. Also, we have American passports and we are American citizenships and Lebanese and Syrian, but we choose to live in Lebanon and uh, work in Lebanon because in Lebanon there is a freedom, enough freedom, enough free for us to, uh, to write books and to publish books and to work and uh, to be free in the ministry more than Syria and other countries in the Arab lands. So that's why we are in Lebanon. We're based in Lebanon and uh, from Lebanon we work uh, uh, with, the, I work with the, with the, you know, with TFF, uh, the organization that I started and my husband is uh, international director uh, for Langham Trust now. Uh, in the whole world. So he cares about uh, high education, uh, PhD programs for theology. Right. So um, when, when the war broke out in Syria, um, you know, where were you guys at and, and how did you end up um, stepping into that space to um, care for the refugees from Syria? Uh, well, uh, TFF, um, uh, ministry started before the war in, in Syria. Uh, we we got our license 2010 uh, before the war, which which started 2011. <clears throat> and our our goal was to care about the poor people. Actually, not not only Syrian but Lebanese and uh, and mm -hmm. Palestinians and Iraqi and every all kind of refugees in Lebanon and educate the teenagers uh, mainly uh, how to avoid drugs, how to avoid sex before marriage, how to, to grow up in a healthy uh, spiritual life. And then the Syrian crisis started 2011 and uh, continued 2012 and uh, becoming a main issue. And so many refugees suddenly came to Lebanon, uh, around two millions. And we found ourselves... Uh, that, uh, you know, we, we need to help them in so many ways. So that's why we started helping Syrian refugees uh, since 2012. Um, and to, to tell, us, 
tell us if you can i mean what was it like for those refugees that are that are coming across i mean how did you find them and and you know what what sort of things had they experienced and and how were you able to help them well it is really uh, it's really easy to find them because if you just sit, sit in our balcony i think uh, kevin knows that you can see so many camps from our balcony. If you, I can count more than 40 Syrian refugee camps from our home. So it's just easy to cross the street and go visit them. And uh, me as a Syrian person, I just introduce myself that I am from Syria and uh, I just want to know you and get to know you and if there is anything that I can help with. And they will come be, will come be uh, me very, you know, uh, they love me have, being with them because I am Syrian and I am trying to help. And I don't really care from uh, if they are Muslim or Christians or Shias or, or if they are with the government or against the government, if they are with the opposition or with the armed people. And even if they are ISIS, I don't mm-hmm. care who are they. I just want to help them as a human being. And uh, living, um, uh, you know, the example of Jesus uh, with them. So uh, that's how we started. I went visit them in the camps and I discovered the need. And uh, after discovering the need, we started our programs. Uh, now we have 18 programs in, in our uh, centers, two centers, to serve the Syrian refugees in Lebanon. Okay. T- tell us about you know, some of the, the, the programs and the, the things that you uh, do and the, the sort of needs that you've seen and tried to address. Um, first of all, we started our ministry with teenage uh, boys and girls. Um, we bring them to a, a secure place in a conference area and we stay with them for a week. Uh, we we listen to their uh, stories and how did they come to Lebanon and how uh, how how difficult it was to you know to climb the mountains and stay four days in the way and some of the kids were lost and some of the of the old women died on the way and uh, so there was very uh, strange stories and uh, very you know hor- horrible stories I mean very fearful. There's too much fear in them. Uh, so we bring them to the camp and we talk to them for a week and we bring psychologists and uh, counselors uh, to try to heal them. Because one of them, for example, she was carrying her niece in her uh, in her hands and uh, uh, the, um, the rocket hit, hit her niece while she was in her hand. And Denise died and her stomach just jumped out of her body. And this this girl was really traumatized. You know, she was really, um, and so many stories like this. And this uh, this stories uh, affected my life, actually. I became traumatized myself. And uh, I started taking medicine because uh, I couldn't, you know, handle all these very, very hard stories. so after working with them, um, we sent them homes and we followed them up for a year, uh, caring, uh, caring about them. So uh, through following them up for a year, we discovered that it's not only about talking to them. It's, 
it's we should do something to help them. So that's why we started the sewing school for girls uh, to help these traumatized girls get out of their trauma. So they we teach them a skill and uh, they can learn how and also they can get a certificate and uh, get a job when they graduate because also they need to get some money instead of getting married so early uh, because their their parents have no money to to raise them so even when they come 13 or 14 or even 12 they would marry them to any man who would uh, who would uh, bring $200 or $1000 to the parents and these teenage girls they don't know anything about marriage and they find themselves having babies and they, then we started the babies ministry because uh, this this woman cannot care about babies. They don't know how to care about them. And it's a burden. They don't know how to feed them, how to... Uh, so that's why we started another ministry, which is the babies ministry. And uh, slowly, we started all these projects that we are having now to fulfill this need, you know, actually, to help the traumatized, or boys, or girls, or women, or, or even the little kids. So now uh, we have 18 programs for them. Uh, we have a program for the boys, the, the traumatized boys, and we teach them carpentry, and we, we produce uh, very, very nice uh, carp, uh, wooden stuff. And you can go to our website and see uh, what they do. And uh, uh, working with babies, uh, you know, uh, having um, 90 babies every year to take care of them, uh, this opened another door for us to help the women. Because also the women, even if they are not teenage girls, the women who have more than 10 babies or in the, in the, who live together in the camp, in the one tent, like you can see in one tent, uh, three families uh, for one man. One man is married to oh. three women, three women, and they have uh, 17 kids. So these these three women with 17 kids, they they you know they spend their life fighting and not caring about the kids, and they are not educated and they don't know what to do, and they are suffering from the man, suffering from lack of food, lack of milk, and. And living in one tent, it's not a healthy situation. It's uh, there is no space for the kids to play. The, the kids cannot go to school because they are not registered in in Lebanon, and they have no identity identity card. They were born here in the tent with no hospital uh, um, license or certificate, birth certificate. They don't have. So then we started our education, education department <laughs> to help these kids. <laughs> so slowly, according to the need, we find every in every stage we started a new project. Um, right, it's, it's sort of evolved as you learn something new about yes. the people. Then something else gets added on. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So how many people are you working with now? Uh. Actually, I can't count them because uh, <laughs> too many. Yes, too many. Uh, you know, we can um, maybe five thousand families, something like that, because we work five, in all the families. families. Wow. Yeah, but but it's not it's not the person; it's the families. It's the whole families. 
That's why we are <laughs> we called together for the families. You know, we care about the whole family. So we, we educate the kids. We we care about the women's and the babies and the teenage girls and the teenage boys. Only the father, the man, doesn't really cooperate with us. Men okay. here, they don't think that they need anything. They are really full equipped and uh, full educated. They think so, you know. Uh, yeah, I, th so I, I think that that might be a universal problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, no, don't yeah. laugh. Don't you laugh. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. So we'll we'll, yeah. we'll we'll take take a short break there, and and when we come back, I, I'd, you know, it'd be great to hear a little bit more about how you know as as things have progressed in in Syria, and it, it sort of disappeared from our news. It'd be yeah. great to hear from you when we come back, you know, how things are now, how things have changed, and also turn our attention to Lebanon uh, a little bit, which has yeah. featured occasionally yeah. in the news, um, and, and hear how things are going there. But we will um, take a short break, and we okay. will be right back on It Ain't That Simple, Mate. It Ain't That Simple, Mate is brought to you by Lamai Coffee. Lamai Coffee is the finest quality organic Arabica coffee from the northern hills of Thailand. We at Bright Hope World import the green beans into New Zealand and we roast them to perfection, then sell them to discerning coffee drinkers. We're all volunteers on the team, so all the profits go back into great community projects in Thailand. And that is why we call it the world's best tasting act of kindness. You can order Lamai coffee or find out more at lamai.co.nz. It ain't that simple, mate. We are back uh, on uh, It Ain't That Simple, Mate, the Bright Hope World uh, podcast, and we are talking to Izdahar that is working in the Becker Valley in uh, Lebanon. And just before the break, we were hearing about some of the work that uh, she is doing with the Together for the Family, who's a Bright Hope World uh, partner, and um, particularly focused on uh, Syrian refugees. And, and as we heard, uh, working with about 5,000 families, which is just an extraordinary, it's, a, it's an unthinkable number of of people and and you were just discussing is how 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 has this changed over time you know for for a long while there the Syrian conflict was um, dominating the news cycle and um, it's it largely disappeared and I, I guess you know people uh, around the world may think that the the problem has gone away and all of these people have have just gone back home and and everything's fine um, fill us in how what is the situation now and and what are the what are the prospects for the people that you're working with uh, actually the the fighting might stop you know the the rockets and uh, you know the bombs and uh, the the war uh, in some areas stopped but not north of syria it's still there uh, so many uh, uh, war is still happening north of syria but not in all syria but there is now another kind of war in Syria, which is the economic war. Um, people are really, um, uh, people are really um, uh, destroyed uh, because of the economic situation. You know, Syria is under sanction now from the whole world, and uh, um, this sanction made the made the country very, very, very poor. 
and uh, people cannot afford even to uh, to eat sometimes you know uh, the very basic uh, basic food they cannot afford to and uh, uh, beside that there is no fuel there is no electricity there is uh, uh, lack of everything because of the sanction even in Lebanon here we can we are not allowed to take anything to Syria if we want to help in Syria we cannot because of the sanction uh, so they are living in a very very uh, um, hard situation so when you ask a uh, Syrian refugees who live in Lebanon now why don't you go back to Syria there is no war now they would just ask how can we live uh, in Syria uh, our kids are not registered in Syria. We have no papers anymore. Our home destroyed in Syria. There is no houses to go back to. We don't have jobs there. The economic situation is collapsing very bad in Syria. And besides, there is the army situation in Syria that every young man who is over 17 or 18 should serve the army in Syria. And if he can't serve, the, if he wants to skip the army, he should pay 8,000 US dollars to the government. Okay. And these refugees, people in Syria, how could they afford to pay $8,000 to the, to the boys who came here when they were five years and now they are 18 or 19 or 20? And in each family, there is more than four or five. Uh, so this will cost maybe $50,000 for every fam family to go back. And that's really impossible. So that's why the Syrian refugees cannot go back to Syria. There is no way they can go back now uh, unless the, the army situation in Syria solved and or, or the United Nations pay for them uh, to skip the army service. Uh, and also if the army, if the United Nations can pay them to, to renovate their houses, but there is no renovation now in Syria because there is no money. The government cannot really renovate the houses, cannot bring the people back. They, the, the, the Syrian country is collapsing. How would they bring all the 6 million refugees from where they are to Syria and they cannot afford to rebuild their houses and to have them back? So it's not really, none of the refugees in Lebanon went home to Syria. They would love to, but they cannot. It's so it's very hard. They are still mostly living in refugee camps, and yes. I, I imagine they're probably not allowed to work either in Lebanon, are they? Yeah, no, they are allowed. They are not allowed to work. There's no job in Lebanon. Even now, Lebanon, as you know, it's in the news all mm. over. Lebanon is collapsing uh, economically, and uh, you know, money money crisis. Uh, I will I will tell you more about Lebanon uh, soon. But they cannot, as refugees, they they are living now because of our helps, because of the churches' helps, because of the NGOs, and because of the United Nations that they give them a portion of foods every. We we start making food baskets to the families whom we serve, uh, and that was not in our program. Uh, our program is to provide skills and vocation and not to provide food. But now we have to, because uh, families are really hungry. Uh, they, they, there is nothing. They cannot have jobs. They, there's no money, not, no money even for the Lebanese. So how come for the refugees? 
the situation is really, really very bad. Yeah. Explain a little bit more to us about the uh, the Lebanese situation. Uh, you know, for, for for Lebanese, you have the problem of the economy. You have the problem of refugees. You had the blast. Uh, there are many things that have happened there. Tell us a little more about life there at the moment. Yeah. Well, um, as everybody knows, we have two main problems in 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 uh, Lebanon. Uh, the main, the first one is the corrupted government, uh, corruption that happened, and this affected uh, our money because the the government used to borrow money from the banks to uh, uh, I don't know where they what they do with the money. They money they borrow money from the banks and then for many years they couldn't pay the banks back. Uh, so the banks suddenly decided that they will take our money, the people's money instead. So they took all the people's money and all our accounts, which was in the bank. And so now people uh, cannot, don't have their own money. They lost their own money. Um, so and the value of the of the Lebanese lira uh, jumped from one thousand. Uh, 500 for one dollar to 15,000 now. So it jumps 10 times. Can you imagine? So the the prices in the market jump 10 times and there is no money uh, for the people. So everything collapsed. Now there is no hospitals. We cannot enter hospitals because they don't have money to buy medicine or to make any surgeries and you cannot find equipment now in the hospitals. There is no pharmacies. Now pharmacies have no medicine because they cannot buy medicine. They don't have dollars. Uh, so um, uh, the supermarkets, they have only a few items for people to survive. And um, most of the brands they used to have in Lebanon are stopped. They are out of work now. So And the situation is still very bad. The other uh, problem that we have in Lebanon that caused all this trouble is is Hezbollah, is uh, the relationship between the West and Hezbollah. Uh, and maybe the people, they don't know that. Hezbollah is not a an armed group who are maybe a small army or something, but they are one-third of the Lebanese population. So it's, oh a, it's, a, huge, it's, a, it's a huge thing in Lebanon. You know, that's why our the other countries are sanctioning Lebanon. They don't want to help Lebanon economically to restart their health economy because of Hezbollah. But Hezbollah is not really a small part in Lebanon. It's <laughs> it's in the government, it's in the it's in, it's everywhere, you know, it's one third of the Lebanese population. Uh, so this this problem can't be solved that easy. So this is another problem in Lebanon. And of course all the other problems like like the blast and like um, um, you know uh, other things that is happening now because there's no government no government now uh, and uh, the the United Nations or all the countries they don't want to help having government in Lebanon because they want to get rid of Hezbollah and this is impossible so that's in in short. Yeah, right. And, and how has COVID affected you there? And oh, how is that, very, uh... very badly, very badly. We were affected very badly. 
um, we reach the level that maybe uh, 80% of, of the Lebanese got affected uh, by COVID. And uh, wow. so many died. We used to have um, so many died every day. Now it's becoming very less. Now we have only more like a uh, hundred cases every day. It's pre-died or four-died, but before it was really very bad. Now people are vaccinated. In fact, we as DFF, uh, we uh, I talked to Pfizer uh, company in America to uh, to bring twenty thousand. Uh, vaccine, uh, visor vaccine to our to our refugees where we work. So we are waiting for this uh, to arrive, so we can uh, give uh, you know vaccine the refugees here because they are not vaccinated so far. Um, but the Lebanese are getting uh, vaccinated from the government, and uh, that's working very well now. Okay, that's great. And so you'll be keeping these uh, vaccines for, particularly for the refugees? Yes, for our Syrian refugees, yeah. The people we work okay. with them. Wow, it's a, a very difficult trying time for you. Yeah, it is. Talk to us a little bit more uh, about the babies ministry. That That is particularly what we've been supporting there. Um, tell us uh, just a little bit about you know, the, yeah. the situation for yes. the babies and, and, and how you care for them. Yes, this is, as I mentioned before, it started when I saw these young uh, girls getting married and having babies and actually uh, uh, don't know how to deal with that. So that's why we started this ministry, helping this uh, woman uh, and teaching them how to breastfeed them and how to... Um, to care for their hygiene and uh, to, uh, you used to go and visit them in the tents and help them. Uh, but now because of the big number we are having, uh, we have them in groups. Uh, we bring, uh, now this year we have 83 babies to take care of. So we bring them in groups to our site and uh, I talk to the women uh, uh, from the Bible. Uh, we have a chapel and uh, I talk about uh, mainly about women uh, from the Bible. Every time we share uh, the life of one of the women's uh, stories, and uh, we learn from the woman from the Bible how to care about our families, and uh, they share their uh, their problems in the house and uh, what they are facing. And we try to talk to them um, as much as we can. To we have we have now a full time counselor with us uh, she works with the woman also so if we have a, a woman with a heart problem uh, with a very difficult situation our counselor would sit with her and talk to her and help her and we provide uh, also uh, milk uh, and diapers and medicine as tff also we have medical clinic and we have dental clinic so in our medical clinic, our doctors will take care of the babies and he will he will check if they have any problems. Uh, one time we had a baby with heart problem and we paid for her surgery in uh, in Beirut to to fix her heart. Uh, so and uh, we 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 do the best we can. So these babies can grow up in a healthy, um, healthy uh, 
um, way. And then when they grew up, or when they reach their uh, four years of old, we, we bring them to our kindergarten uh, education center. So stay, that we start teaching them. And so now most of our uh, kids in our teaching uh, program, we started with them when they were babies five years ago or six years ago when when we started this program so now we are teaching them um, and we are planning to to go further with them and uh, and extend our school to have a school until grade six so this will happen when we uh, buy land and extend our uh, our ministry there and have a bigger school uh, so that's that was the babies. Sometimes we have uh, babies who were born, um, you know, uh, disabled or uh, with uh, with kind of physical problems. We don't know how to deal with that. So our doctor will give us the advice, and uh, we raise special funds for each case and to help them individually. Okay, that's great. The, um, as you think about the future, uh, do you have a team that is developing there to uh, be able to make a lot of the, the important decisions and, and to deal with them? I mean, I know you are like a mother to everybody. Uh, is there another mother coming along behind you? Actually, I started by myself when I started this organization alone. And I started uh, uh, funding this organization uh, by selling my own art because I am an artist and I am uh, quite a famous artist in Lebanon. So I sell my art and then I raise the funds for, uh, be, um, out of the, the money I get from my art. And then slowly I grew up, we grew up and now we have uh, in our team, we have 30 staff actually. Uh, 29 full-time and one uh, volunteers, uh, one uh, part-time. And of course, we have a team of uh, 50 volunteers between Syria and here. So yes, we have a big team. Um, I'm ready uh, to give up anytime because I have <laughs> assistant who's uh, taking my place now. I have a director in every site. I have a group of uh, of women who came to the Lord uh, from a Muslim background who are helping me and they experienced the love of Jesus uh, in a deep way and they committed themselves to 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 follow with this ministry um, and they have um, they have the same heart that I have so I'm not worried about uh, about uh, the future of TFF uh, the Lord already prepared the people and he's preparing now the land and he's preparing the money and he's preparing everything. And at the end, you know, it's not our work. This is not us. It's his. It's his field. It's the Lord's field. We are only helping him. And we are um, grateful and so honored uh, to have this opportunity to help him. Can you imagine yourself uh, helping God? In his ministry, <laughs> it's really something. Some when I when I just think about it, I feel I just cannot stop my tears. Oh Lord, how how lucky I am, how blessed I am to use me, to choose me, to be your servant or to be your helper. 
and with these needy people. <coughs> so I trust him. Uh, and we, I know we, we, we like to think that we help those who help. <laughs> that that's yeah. where we, we like, uh, you know, to be involved and and getting alongside and supporting people like you that are just right there doing such an amazing work. Thank you so much. It's really, again, it's God's work. And we are all one team together, everyone. We are one puzzle, you know, each one of us is part of this puzzle. This puzzle can't be completed without each one of us. Uh, And and it's God's masterpiece, yeah. uh, We do need to draw it to a close, but I, I just wanted to ask you, you know, we have a lot of partners around the world in different places that are seeing an amazing response from Muslim people who are, uh, you know, finding Jesus in extraordinary ways and in extraordinary numbers. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing that sort of response from people, you know, particularly those that have been through a great deal? Are they, are they finding the, the the love of Jesus, um, you know, in, in numbers? Is that what you're seeing? Yes, yes, indeed. So um, sometimes... Um, um, uh, the the woman we work with them they s- themselves blame me and they say do you think that Jesus Christ came to you only as Christian he also for us came and we also need him and we mm-hmm. trust him so yeah yeah they they you you would be amazed to hear them uh, sometimes some women would would see Jesus in their dreams even without going to church even without hearing about him. And they come to me and say, I saw this and he told me this. What do you think this means? And then I tell them, this is this is the Lord. He's talking to you in his own way. So the Lord is doing the, the work. He has ways. And uh, we just uh, help in our, and in, in, in the, we are using the two, the two fish and the five breads that we are having. And mm-hmm. he is, he is the one who's multiplying them and, feeding everyone. I trust him and I know the Holy Spirit is working now in our countries in so many ways, especially with the Muslim people who who need need him. Um, need especially the women in the Muslim uh, society who needs the love of the Lord uh, very much. Um, yes, he is working with them and I have so many stories to tell but I don't know if we have enough time. <laughs> well, we we might have to do a another interview with you. Uh, there are, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it's it's like the uh, the end is at uh, the end of Luke, and he says, well, you know, if, if all of these stories were written, the whole world couldn't contain them. And I, I'm sure you have um, yeah. seen so many amazing works of God in that place. That's right. Yeah. Well, look, we, we do need to draw it to close, but look, thank you so much for, for making the time to share with us. Uh, you know, I think we get a sense of uh, how difficult and challenging it is for you there, and, and you're certainly in our prayers. It is certainly for us a great privilege to be connected with what you're doing. But yeah. for all of that, your your faith and your sense of what God is doing shines through, even though it is difficult and it is a joy and encouragement to to hear that yeah thank you so much thank you for giving me this opportunity um to share what the lord is doing in our country and this country belonged to him he came first to syria lebanon jordan 
Palestine, Israel. This country belongs to him. He was born here. I don't think he will leave this country. Well, there you go. And like I said, uh, an amazing woman, a powerful story uh, and a really difficult place. Uh, And uh, as this comes out uh, in uh, early August of 2021, uh, we have just released a newsletter um, that you can get from the Bright Hope World uh, website. Just click on the news button. Uh, And it talks about some of the places in the world uh, including Lebanon, where things are just particularly difficult uh, at the moment. So we do encourage you, if you are the praying type, to please um, pray for Lebanon. It is a country in in real trouble at the moment. And uh, I re- read an article quite recently uh, that said um, Lebanon w- was really just days and weeks away from its water infrastructure ca- collapsing completely um, and it being driven in, in the, in the article's words, back to the Stone Age. And that's just something we don't want to see. So please do be praying for Lebanon and for Izdahar and, and her ministry. Um, if you have any feedback on this episode, and, and including anything you would like to get back to um, Izdahar, please do send it to us, podcast at brighthopeworld.com via email. Or you can uh, post on our Facebook site, Bright Hope World, uh, Facebook.com, Bright Hope World. Uh, and uh, we love reading that stuff and hearing um, whether you find these stories uh, interesting or you don't. Or you agree or you disagree with things that are said. Uh, so thank you for joining us. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, it means a lot to our partners that you're willing to sit through um, the better part of an hour of a podcast and hear the stories. They love to tell them. Uh, thanks for joining us here on It Ain't That Simple, Mate, the Bright Hope World Podcast. See you next time.